0: train up training company joins the show jake what's going on my man great to have you on once again how are you
2: uh dude it's always great to come on i'm i'm fantastic man uh had some good games last night tonight jacksonville state minus six? Oh my god what a sweat i don't know if y'all stayed up and watched <laughs> that game but it was nuts it was a crazy cover at the end but i'm uh, no, excited for this weekend man really uh ready to get it going
0: I did not see that one. What happened in that game, Jake? I I heard it was a a nutso ending, but I did not see. Well,
2: well, I mean, uh, Sam Houston State hadn't had a rush over 10 yards the whole season. Not like the past couple (laughs) games, the whole season. They put a new guy in at quarterback uh, Smothers, uh, who's actually from the state of Alabama, um, transferred from West Virginia back to uh, Jacksonville State. And Sam Houston was leading the whole game. It was 21-7. to uh, Got to the second half. Jacksonville State brought it to 21-14 going into the fourth quarter. Uh, they ended up scoring, Jacksonville State did, to make it 21-20. Missed the extra point. Sam Houston drives it all the way down the field. Scores a touchdown with a minute 11 to go. Kicked the extra point. So, Sam Houston State's up 28-20. And they got a really good defense. Sam Houston State really does have a good defense. Jacksonville State, man, eight plays, 80 yards touchdown, get the two-point conversion. Remember, I had a minus six. All right, I left this bet for dead a while ago, especially when it got to 21-7. Force overtime. They give up a kick return to the 50. So there's a Hail Mary at the end. They don't get it. You go into overtime. Jacksonville State wins the toss – or loses the toss, thank, uh, thank God. Gets the ball first, scores on the second play, holds them, wins by seven. Just crazy. That means something bad's happening. That means something bad's <laughs> happening from a betting standpoint this weekend. Like some bad's got. I'm already preparing myself for it.
0: Oh my goodness, uh, a, a crate, or, or maybe something really good's happening. Maybe look at the bright side. I don't know, but yeah, to your point. No, I know how a- this goes. Those those two yeah.
2: twins they've got attached to each other underneath that casino in Las Vegas. They're gonna get me this weekend. I can feel it.
0: Jake, let's look back on the week that was really, really quickly, and then we'll talk about this weekend's games, week four, starting with South Carolina. Big home win, game you had to have. Will Rogers goes off for 487 passing yards, and despite that, uh, Spencer Rattler stays hot, and the Gamecocks get a much needed W. What were your thoughts on South Carolina's win, them, them notching
2: their first conference win of the season? Well, it's big. You know, anytime you can win a conference game, let, let alone early to get yourself some momentum, go ahead and get you started out right. I, I thought it said a lot about South Carolina. Just it, the way that the, the DNA that Shane Beamer has put in this program, and I'm sure we're going to get to Spencer Rattler. I let off the show with it Thursday. Um, something that we've been saying since the offseason, since, since it started to come on here. Uh, every time Mississippi State would get close, South Carolina would make a play. And that that shows you, in in my opinion, and having been in it, that – There's a lot of belief in this team, but they handle adversity really well. I think that's one of the biggest compliments that I can give Shane Beamer and what he's built at South Carolina. I don't know if there's a team out there that handles adversity better than South Carolina. Going back to the end of last year, you know, with the injuries they've dealt with, what they lost in the portal. Every time you leave South Carolina for dead, like first half against Georgia, right? And and they end up losing that game. I know there's no moral victories. I know the standard's high uh, there in Columbia, but every time you leave them for dead, they crawl their ass out the ditch and stand up and start running. And not that they were left for dead against Mississippi State, but there were times when the momentum flipped. And like we said previewing the game, Mississippi State was embarrassed the week before. As men, they were physically dominated. They were embarrassed. And Zach Arnett just took over that program. There's a lot of pressure on him. So you knew they were going to come in and fight, but South Carolina would deliver a blow, take the blow, deliver the blow. Um, so I, I think it just shows you kind of kind of the intestinal fortitude of this team and this program. Which down the road, once he gets the line the line of scrimmage developed, you're going to really really see that come to fruition in some big games.
0: Jake, you mentioned you talked a lot about Spencer Rattler this week. I know specifically on your show. Just give the folks who may have missed that some insight. I know again, I, mm-hmm. I, I caught a watch the entire video. Obviously, you talking about you know his importance to South Carolina, where he stands amongst other players in college football. But for those who may have missed it, just give, give the folks an idea of what the, uh, what the subject matter was specifically about the Game Gamecocks quarterback.
2: Well, you know, I, like, like I said, I mean, we opened up with it. I mean, we led with it. it it's Spencer Rattler's not going to win the Heisman, right? South Carolina's not going to win the national championship. It's going to be tough to win the East. Who the hell knows this year in the SEC? But I don't know, and I don't think there is a more important player to his team's success than Spencer Rattler to South Carolina. And we, we know we, he's always had the talent, but look at what he's had to deal with. You've got a deficient offensive line. I think we can all recognize that. You don't run the ball well at all. Juice Wells is hurt. you got injuries left and right. You had Marshawn Lloyd leave. You had Jaheem Bell leave, who was the ultimate security blanket. Yeah, you got Trey Knox, but Jaheem Bell is a hell of a player. We can all agree on that. Uh, he didn't have the greatest pass protection. But he doesn't make excuses. Or, or when when something bad happens when earlier in his career, he would fold. He makes plays, not excuses now. And the maturity jump that Spencer Rattler has made. That's why this whole offseason, when people are talking about, oh, Spencer Rattler. I wasn't worried about Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler is the last thing I was worried about when it comes to South Carolina. But now when I watch him lead, when it's not going good, he's over there on the sidelines getting guys going. He's over there. Teaching. He's leading. It's not, oh, it's going good, so I'm going to be a good leader, and oh, it's going bad, so it's everybody else's fault, and it's a pity party for me, and oh, poor Spencer Rattler. I am so impressed with the maturity jump and the leadership jump from Spencer Rattler and what he means to this team. And it's not just the picking guys up on the sideline, it's hanging in there and taking a hit. He knows they're deficient on the offensive line, but he still hangs and he knows he's going to make some money in the NFL. He don't want to get hurt and cost himself, but he hangs in there and takes the hits. He'll put his head down when he has to. He'll shake off a tackle and extend the play. I've got so much respect for Spencer Rattler, not just as a player, but as a man. Because you take Spencer Rattler off of South Carolina, they're done. No chance. No shot in hell to do anything. You got the 121st ranked defense in the country in team defense. Spencer's out here keeping them in it. Every game, not making excuses, not pitching fits. He's pitching damn good games from the pocket, right? And it, leadership is not just carrying the team, but it's how you carry yourself. And I think that speaks a lot, once again, to Shane Beamer and and that culture that he's developed at South Carolina. And I know South Carolina fans may get impatient sometimes. You'll say, oh, Jake, you predicted him to go five and seven, this, that, and the other. It's coming. I'm telling you right now. And the unfortunate part is, the timeline doesn't match up where Spencer Rattler gets to be there when that <laughs> offensive line gets developed and that run game's cooking because mm-hmm. he would rip guys apart. And I can't wait to watch this guy in the league. He's made himself a lot of money, but you would never know it.
0: Jake, it's like we said all offseason, man. This team will go as far as seven takes them. I'm not sure I even knew, though, how true that statement would be as we enter week five Him of and Drake the football season.
2: Most important yeah. players of their team. Without a doubt. Yeah.
0: Jake, let's move to what happened in College Station. Auburn struggling on the offensive side. Mm -hmm. That's putting it lightly. What do you see from Auburn in that game? Obviously, it was a huge bounce-back win for Texas A&M after that Miami game a couple of weeks prior. And, you know, the defense specifically bouncing back. They, unfortunately, though, lose Connor Wegman. Max Johnson will now take over going into the Arkansas game. But uh, you're an Auburn man by trades. I mean, what do you see at the quarterback position? Is it one of those things where – this thing isn't really going to click until Hugh Freeze gets that guy, or is there a guy on yeah. this roster that you think can can take this team forward?
2: Well, you know, it's, it's just like we've been talking about, and, and Auburn fans freaked out, just like every SEC fan base freaks out. You want to win every game, and I get it. Oh, but this is going to take time, but here's where I was surprised. You know, Peyton Thorne coming over from Michigan State, he played three years in the Big Ten. He's He has experience. He's a coach's son. Does he have the best arm in the country? No, not even close. Is he the most athletic guy running in the country? No, not even close. But I can't believe the biggest detriment to him right now is his toughness. Look, it's one thing if guys are just flooding in there and you're getting hit literally when you catch the snap and you're trying to make moves and get out of the pocket. This man would literally just fall down. He was terrified. And look, I, we're all a fan of somebody. I'm an Auburn fan, but you know if I want to make people happy, I'd, I'd sell brownies and cupcakes for a living. That's not what I do. And watching him fold like that and duck the smoke, Right, Because half a quarterback's job, I just talked about Spencer Rattler, is sitting in there and delivering the pill when the pressure's coming. It's not always going to be perfect. And there's times where you're going to get sacked. But watching him get pressure from depth and not even be able to get into his second read or throw the check down into that pressure with all the experience you have. I, and I'm sure Peyton Thorne's a great guy. I'm sure he's a guy that that treats people nice and goes to class. Well, guess what? Some I don't need a nice guy out there. I don't need an Eagle Scout out there. I need somebody that's going to go out there and be a tough ass. I need somebody that's going to hang in there and make the play when you're supposed to. When those offensive linemen are having to headbutt 300-pounders the whole time, the running backs are averaging eight yards a pop in the first half, and you're out there folding. I lost a lot of respect for Peyton Thorne. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, I think they're going to try them out there against Georgia. And you're going to find out, was this a one-time thing? Was it, hey, I'm in the SEC, I'm uncomfortable, whatever, whatever. Um, and uh, if not, you're going to have to throw Robbie Ashford in there. But I didn't think it would be the toughness factor that we'd be sitting on here debating with Peyton Thorne. Hey, you, you made some bad throws, left some up, left some low, made a couple bad reads. Maybe you you, you know weren't able to run and get that first down because you don't run 4-4. Uh, but not toughness, not hanging in the pocket.
1: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: Jake, last thing, and then we'll get into week five. Um, Alabama gets the win over... Hold on, give me one second. Maybe. We just had the call-in show. We got the call-in one.
2: That's all right. Uh, okay. I'll take the time to Anyways. tell Ken's. Ken's, I predicted yeah. uh, South Carolina to go five and seven last year, and they pulled two out of their ass against Clemson and, and Tennessee. So don't act like you're some Nostradamus. <laughs> and I'll be back, buddy. You, you. What did you predict them to go undefeated? That's probably that's probably right. <laughs> Ken, indeed. Je- Ken's, I'm a Barbie Ken's guy myself. here throw,
0: throw in shade, dude. I. We don't. Even oh, I'll be back. Back. I was say, I'll be back. I'm gonna say. I'll be back. Yeah. Side note: I actually saw the Barbie movie, believe it or not. And did what you? What a roller roller coaster! Oh god, that was. there's no. There's I did no way not I could watch it. I, I I went with the misses. I did not go alone, so don't get okay, any crazy understand ideas it, that I'm understand that it, I'm it. I'm, I'm sitting. I'm sitting here like reeling in depression for some reason from college football season. And I needed a pick me up, so don't don't. Uh, it's not exactly it. I'm not there yet. Not there yet. Uh, Alabama two touchdown. One over old Miss. Jake. Ole Miss was the the sexy upset pick. I feel like obviously last week. Um, you know, to go in there, win straight up, which it was a great opportunity for Lane Kiffin and company, but Bama with the big bounce back game. What did you see from the Crimson Tide that you like so much? It was a comedy of errors in that first half. Pull away late. I think we all agree. Jalen Milrow is the guy for that football team. And then Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, you know, just another missed opportunity in a big game. What'd you see overall that happened in Tuscaloosa?
2: Why? Well, I was shocked by the game plan that Ole Miss brought in there. You know, there's a common misconception that like Lane Kiffin and Lincoln Riley and Josh Heupel and Jeff Levy and these guys want to go throw the ball 70 times a game. No, they're a run and pass offense. I mean, when Lane's really cooking, a lot of it is off-play action. A lot of it is a lot of it is is, you know, taking your shots when you need to take your shots and setting safeties up. And Quinsha Junkins apparently was healthy, but but they never really tried to get the run game going. It was all intermediate passes, and if you actually look at the numbers and you watch what Alabama does with that Rip Liz match coverage, yeah, Ken, if you predicted seven and five, I got some beachfront property in Kansas I can sell you, lying ass. Um, But when I I looked at the game plan, you know, they didn't go to Quinchon a lot. They didn't run Jackson a lot. They did when they got in the red zone. I mean, they beat Alabama in two-man one time because Alabama didn't stunt the front, which is absolutely nuts. That was just a miscommunication. But they never really took their shots down the field. And then they never really played with tempo. Like, you got to do something, man. So even when they were down, when they were down by a lot, they never hurried up. There was no sense of urgency there. And I I thought the game plan was just bad. Now, when you look at Alabama, I thought the defense played better. They tackled well in space. But but they took – they got played to their strength. They should have played that way. Alabama tried to hand it to them in the first half. I mean, you look at at Jalen Monroe for some reason. They still do not want to tailor that offense around what Jalen Milroe does best. I just don't understand it. And this week against Mississippi State, since it's on the road, watch watch what's going to happen. They're going taking Jalen Milroe on the road for the first time. And they're going to pr- probably, probably protect him. Probably not going to see a lot of three-step and five-step. Probably going to see more quarterback design runs, Alabama getting in, in heavier personnel, moving them around, zone read RPOs, and they'll score 45 points because they won't put him in a bad situation because they're trying to protect him. And in reality, them trying to protect Jalen Milrow is actually playing to his strength. So if Alabama, not against Ole Miss, not against Mississippi State, you play LSU and some of these other teams you're going to have to beat down the road, and you keep Jalen Milrow in this three-step and five-step, I mean, they ran smash at a three-by-one to the field uh, in the red zone. And the corner was just sitting there sinking. It's one of the first reads you learn as a quarterback, whether it's two-man smash, hitch-by-one, corner-by-two, or three-by-one smash, where you get the hitch-by-one, two runs, whatever, and three runs a corner, because you can do multiple things with number two. That corner sinks. You throw it in front of him. That's the main read. He still makes his mind up where he's going to throw the ball out of drop-back passes before you make that, before the ball's even snapped. That's like stepping in the batter's box and saying, I don't care where this pitch is thrown. I am going to swing at it. You may luck up and connect on a couple and catch somebody slipping, but most of the time, buddy, it is disaster. He did it against Texas. He did it against Ole Miss. Obviously, he didn't play against South Florida. So, I think there's still a lot of questions with Bama.
0: The Spurs Up show is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Team. Your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. Jake, let's move into Week 5. Gamecocks and Vols under the lights at Neyland. And let me ask you this about this game. We, we've heard the revenge factor, the rematch, if you will, all off season long. Do you feel like, number one, do you really believe in the whole revenge factor thing? Do you think that's something in this football game that helps Tennessee and they're going to come out fired up and inspired? Or does it put more pressure on them to where if things don't go well early, the balls may crack due to not living up to Because, I mean, Tennessee fans want to win this game by 50, right? They don't don't just want to win. They want blood. So, like, the whole revenge factor
2: thing, do you think that helps or could it maybe even hurt Tennessee in this game? Well, look, I I think there's a a common misconception with with stuff like this and bulletin board material. Like once the game starts, n- nobody in between plays is looking at each other like, hey man, you remember that time they heard Hendon Hooker play really good on this next play? Now, it <laughs> bulletin board material helps with preparation. Football is a game of preparation. We always use joke around, it's a game of foreplay, right? How do you how do you warm up and, and get ready? It narrows your focus in practice because once the ball snapped, you're out there playing. Like you're you're it just it, it doesn't work like that. So it probably helped with prep this week, but the pressure's already on Tennessee to win this game. Like there, there's there's no more ad- they're expected to win this game. They're expected to do big things this year, right? It's the new Tennessee, the old Tennessee's dead, you know, laughing stock, LOL, whatever, whatever. This is the new Tennessee with jo- Joe Milton. Right, the 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 Avenger that everybody was just freaking out about because he hit a golf cart from 80 yards at Manning Passing Academy, like it's it's it helps with prep, but the pressure's already on Tennessee. So I don't buy into it during the game. I think it helps prepare the guys to play, keeps them more focused during practice, during walkthroughs, during meetings, during things like that. That when you get into the game, in a game that you play like you prepare. Uh, It's like me going to the driving range and hitting really good on the driving range and then absolutely playing terrible like football is you play how you prepare. So I I do think it helps in that aspect. But, you know, as well as I do, Chris, the pressure is already on them. They're at home. All the uh, expected, uh, you know, to have a chance to win the East and you already lost one to Florida. You're already already behind the eight ball conference wise. So, yeah, it's it helps in some ways. I love foreplay too, Jacob. It's great.
0: <laughs> Jake, Some people that said, "Being the best said, at it.
2: the rumors, you know, not, not myself, but
0: per sources,
2: per sources, Jake. per
0: sources." Uh, that that being said, Jake, how do you see it shaking out? I mean, South Carolina obviously coming off a big win they had to have against Mississippi State. Tennessee is a team that I feel like <clears throat> you know you look at the numbers, and we still don't really know what they are. I mean, the one game we've seen them play against SEC competition was the Florida game, and Florida sort of had their way with Tennessee. Um, outside of that, it's it's been Virginia, Austin P. and and UTSA, right? Um, but the Gamecocks having to go in that venue at night, it might be the most electric atmosphere of the weekend. What are your thoughts? How does it shake out? Does Tennessee get their revenge in that game?
2: Well, look, I I think the number's really high um, at at plus twelve and a half. I think that's a, that's a really high number in this game. There's a couple things that I'm looking at. I'm not worried about how Spencer Rattler's going to play. I'll say it again, like I say every Friday when I come under. Spencer's gonna play fine. Um, he's gonna have to do a lot by himself. but the way that Florida beat Tennessee was they, they ran it right at him. Like they, they dominated Tennessee's front seven in the run game. Uh, they got north and south, got downhill and then opened it up for Graham Mertz. South Carolina's got to find a way to run the ball because here's here's the problem. You showed against Georgia, like we talked about on the show. I wonder if they're listening that they supplemented the lack of a run game with that quick passing game, right? That perimeter passing game, the intermediate pass game to stay on schedule, to get in second and six. Can that South Carolina front be able to push that Tennessee front seven defense around enough to just be able to run it well enough to have some balance on offense? Because if they do that, South Carolina can keep this game pretty close, I think. Because if there's any balance with Spencer Rattler, you know Leggett's a beast, you know Trey Knox is a beast, That's no secret. Tennessee's going to try and stop them. But Tennessee's going to try and make South Carolina one-dimensional like they've been all year. And if they are one-dimensional, it's going to be tough for South Carolina to score enough. But the biggest matchup in this game, Joe Milton's got a hurt knee right now. Got pulled out of the UTSA game. And in that that style of offense, it is an RPO offense. It is a three-man surface method. It is a three-headed hydra, right? You can hand the ball off to the back. The quarterback can keep it our quarterback can keep it and spit it outside or whatever route combination or or whatever they have sent out in the past game off the RPO. If you cut one of the heads off that Hydra, it's going to hurt Tennessee. The line of scrimmage is always the most important. We know that. I just, I question South Carolina's ability to stop the run. And I question South Carolina's ability to run it on offense. That's what's going to determine this game. But assuming South Carolina is going to get blown out in a game that a lot of people don't think they have a chance to win is playing right into Shane Beamer's hands. I think this is a one-score game late. I think I think there is going to be a special teams play on either side this week that is going to be huge. Is this a week we see you know Shane Beamer and that special teams really go off and help them and keep them in a game? I do think Tennessee wins, but I think it's by a score or less. Uh, I think Spencer's going to find a way to put points on the board, but it's the run game on both sides for South Carolina. Can you run it well enough? And can you stop? Because if you think about it, if Joe Milton can't run effectively and you can stop the back from running, now you've cut two heads off that hydra. Now it's a one-dimensional offense versus a one-dimensional offense. And I trust Spencer Rattler a whole hell of a lot more than I trust Joe Milton. So that's the path to victory, I think, for South Carolina. I think it's a one-score game. I think it's tight. I give Tennessee that a little bit of that edge because you're up seven when you get off the bus at home. Jake, I think well said, my friend.
0: I, I love what you said too about Shane Beamer, and it seems like whenever you've got him and his team figured out, it's that's when they, for some reason, play the very best. Doing that, he's I agree Houdini,
2: with man. He's the guy that you bury six feet under and pour concrete yeah. out, and you handcuff <laughs> him, and then you leave for thirty minutes, and then you come back, and like he's drinking a soda, like sitting down, like like this, like meditating.
0: On the road, that'll be the challenge. On the road, I agree. I felt like I was making – not not too much of it, but that, that to me, Jake, I feel like in these 50-50 SEC games, which this is how I would view this game, a toss-up game, that night game atmosphere at home. I mean, let me ask you this. Am I overselling it? Like, it, it, does it – because I feel no. like it makes all the difference in the world. I, I Well, feel like, like listen, I've,
2: again, I've, I've coached there. Like, and, and even when it was against us, when I was in South Alabama, it was so loud, the ground shakes. Like, it, but – like, where, people get confused, I think, too, sometimes. Like, oh, it's a road game. The guys are going to be nervous. Most guys like playing on the road more. Like, yeah. I, I, I would rather you boop. I get more fun out of people talking trash to me in this business than I do people being like, Jake, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, it's just like I like playing on the road more. Where it hurts is communication. You can't communicate. And just like in marriage and just like in life in general, it's all about communication. And when you can't communicate, it makes it harder to operate. That's where it hurts you. Not the, you guys suck. I love people telling me I suck. I love it because that's why when I beat you, it's going to make it that much sweeter for me. Like, it's just that that's how most guys, believe it or not, operate.
0: Jake, let's go to the Plains. Does Auburn have any chance of pulling the upset against Georgia? Uh we hey weird things happen at Jordan Hare. Uh, you yeah, said it yourself. I,
2: yeah, I know. I know. But you know, um most, and, important, and, hey, mo- the most weird,
0: important weird spread. Weird spread
2: in that. Yeah, game. here's Four why. I think I know why, though. I, I I think I know why. Um <laughs> yes, there's always a chance, right? There's always a chance. I've seen such crazy upsets. Like, there's always a chance, especially in the SEC at Jordan Hare on the on the Indian burial ground, whatever. I think that spreads that way for a couple reasons. One, Carson Beck's first game on the road. They didn't really take the training wheels off of him until the second half of that South Carolina game. Go back and look at the play, Colin. Uh, So you're taking him on the road. You have better personnel than this team in a tough environment. You're probably going to do what? You're probably going to protect him a little bit. You're probably going to be pretty vanilla. You're probably not going to want to put him in situations where – He has to think a ton or he has to make a humongous play all the time to be able to extend drives. So I think that's going to keep the scoring down a little bit. And Auburn's defense is the strength of their team. I think they've proven that to this point. Um, The second thing is I feel like Auburn's going to try and limit possessions for Georgia. Auburn's run game, Georgia's weakness right now on defense, and and I use the word weakness very lightly, uh, is against the run. That's the only move Auburn's got right now. They're Jonah Hill on the dance floor super bad doing the dice move. That's all they got. That's it. <laughs> so I think Auburn's going to try and limit possessions. And with this new clock rule, both teams are going to want to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, play action. That's what they're going to want to do. So I think you're going to see it be a lower scoring game. I love the under in this game. I think that's why you're not seeing a 17 and a half. I think that's why you're not seeing a, a 19 and a half. So I don't think Auburn can score enough points outside of Georgia just melting down. Like if Carson just pulls a Drew Barrymore from Fifty First Dates and just you know dodges a cow on the way to the, the facility and hits a tree and just forgets, like I, it's gonna be really t- it's gonna be really tough for Auburn. Um, I I don't see I give him a ten percent chance.
0: Jake, I was gonna say though to the point that you made before, like how long can Georgia keep the training wheels on Carson Beck and get away with it? Like at at some point, do you not have to let the guy go out there and just? I mean, granted, the stats are really good. I actually heard something the other day that you know we've all got questions about Georgia's offense, and Carson Beck is literally on pace right now. If he kept this up, to set the single season passing yards record at Georgia, so they're letting him pitch it around a little bit. But in a game like there's got to come a game at some point, right? Where it's a game like this. They've just got to let Carson Beck, let him go and see what happens. They they can't uh, protect him forever.
2: Yeah. Well, a lot of the throws have been intermediate short. I mean, they're, they're, they're not, you know, really throwing the ball down the field a lot because they're not having to, I mean, they have Brock Bowers is leading in targets. And then you would assume that, but it's not, it's not, it's about play calls and pressure situations it's not that they're not calling different plays. It's not like they're running the same play over and over again. It's how comfortable are we on first and 10 to let Carson throw this thing around a lot? Are we afraid we're going to be locked in second and 10 the whole game? Are we afraid they're going to mix the coverage that he doesn't like? Hey, it's it's third and three. Do we feel comfortable enough to let Carson go up there and change the play? It's a lot of it is is the it's not the play calls when when you're moving the ball and you're on schedule and all that stuff the, the whole menu's open, it's the play calls in the pressure sh- pressure situations and let's be honest Georgia hasn't had a lot of pressure situations I would say the second half of South Carolina was the biggest pressure situation they had and what did they start doing on first down spitting the ball out to the perimeter pitching backwards a little bit it's the methodology when the pressure goes up not necessarily hey are we going to let them throw it. Hell, I'd go out there and throw the bubble screen on second six and be fine. But when you're down 14 to 3 and it's first and 10 to start the half, and you start out with a throw, that's when you when you start taking the training wheels off. And, and like we used to say, sometimes you gotta let Jesus take the wheel.
0: Jake, I'm so excited. Excited for this Saturday because obviously, you know, on a weekly basis, a lot of us, including myself, do SEC power rankings, and we're trying to determine: okay, this is the fifth best team, this is the seventh best, this is the tenth best, eleventh best. Well, the bottom line is we don't know, but we're going to start to learn that this weekend in games like Kentucky, Florida, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, LSU. Right? We're really going to start to learn: like, okay, where are these teams in regards to the SEC pecking order of those games I just mentioned against Kentucky, Florida, Arkansas, A&M? Ole Miss LSU, which of those strike your interest the most and what are you most excited to see? And again, a weekend where it feels like the contenders will start to separate themselves from the pretenders, Mm -hmm. if you will.
2: Look, I know a lot of people are down on Arkansas. I think they got a good shot against a A&M. And uh, AM's And very fortunate to have Max Johnson. Yeah, I picked, a, I
0: picked them to win straight up. So I hope. Yeah, you're
2: right. um, we we have our our uh, our uh, game day show that's that's dropping tonight with uh, Andy Staples coming out. I'm, I may have done the same. Let's just let's just put it that way. <laughs> LSU Ole Miss is obviously fascinating because Ole Miss loses this mm. one, you're you're probably out. You're you're probably out. So Lane has to have it. Um, offensively, I I want to see how Ole Miss attacks it. I, I love watching LSU on offense. Jaden Daniels, man. I mean, mix him with Brian Thomas and Malik uh neighbors, uh, the the backs uh that they have with Logan Diggs. I just I I, I like what LSU is cooking on offense. Defensively in the secondary, though, they got communication problems. I mean, speaking about communicate to operate, I mean, hell, simplify it. I know you've had to simplify it. Stop. Why do y'all do so damn much in the back end of LSU? It's like it's Mississippi State when Mike Leach was there. Would y'all get out of man? Good God. Like somebody helps somebody. But I tell you what. Kentucky, Florida, may end up being the best game of the weekend. And mm-hmm. if you've got a little, you know, you got some pizza money that you want to throw on on like a, a big odds game or something like that, the odds of Kentucky to and Florida to go into overtime is plus twelve hundred. I don't think you'd be crazy to sprinkle a little bit of sneak in your parents' room, right? Lift up that mattress where mom keeps that that forty dollars. <laughs> All right? And you put it on Kentucky and Florida to go overtime. Interesting stat here. Kentucky, believe it or not, is number one in the country, number one or number two in the country in explosive plays. Doesn't mean they're a great offense. All right? And I know a lot of people, they're like, wow, what? Number one or number two in the country in explosive plays. Florida is near the bottom defensively in explosive plays given up. So that that's an interesting stat. You've got strength versus weakness there. But Devin Leary, you talk about panicking. He'll go with Jody Foster in the panic room really quick when you bring pressure. Uh, so that's what I'm, I'm really interested to look at uh, and watch. I think that game's pretty tight. I actually think it's going to go to overtime. I uh, I do like Kentucky in that game, though.
0: Jake, are we not talking about Missouri enough? Sitting there undefeated mm-hmm. right
2: now, a top twenty-five
0: win. They got a sneaky game at Vandy. Vandy's not very good. V- Vandy, like everybody who had over three and a half on the on the on the ticket, I feel bad for you. But uh, anyways. That's a, that's a really, that's a, like, that's the definition of a trap game with LSU
2: next weekend. But when it comes yeah. to Mizzou, like, are we not giving them enough credit to this point? Yeah, well, you know, the, the, the good thing about this trap game is, right, when you're walking into the trap, there's a big billboard that says, hey, there, there's a trap here. Like, but don't worry about it because Vandy sucks. <laughs> um, Vanderbilt's bad football team. Missouri hasn't won enough to be able to, like, look ahead to people. I don't think that they're conditioned yeah. to do that yet. Right. They're going to hear the hype, but I don't think they're conditioned to do that yet. Um, where you've won enough over time where you're like, yeah, it's Vanderbilt. Like, all right, let's just go out here and just soak peanut butter and jelly at them. Um, no, I don't think we're talking about Missouri enough, but guess what? That's exactly how drink wants it. Oh yeah. Cause you don't have to build up the chip on the shoulder, right? Like, Hey, they're not even talking about us when I mean, they talk about Ford and Kentucky. Like we're over here, we're over here undefeated in the East. talking about Ford and Kentucky. Nobody respects us. Luther. They said you're slow. You know, Meavis, they said you're fat. Like, you know, like, it just, at the end of the day, man, Yeah, he doesn't want them to be talked about. But, believe me, when they beat Vanderbilt and they're undefeated, and I think when LSU beats Ole Miss, they're going to be getting talked about in that matchup, I can promise you.
0: Jake, games you're most looking forward to outside of SEC play? Obviously, tonight we've got Oregon State, Utah. We've got Notre Dame, Duke tomorrow night. Dion and Colorado will look to bounce back. They take on Southern Cal. Uh, game you're most excited about, and then of course I, I know you got a laundry list of, of, of gambling picks. You want to tell us, my friend? So if you want to, yeah. you want to dive Akron into Buffa- that and give the people uh, yeah. some
2: free money. Akron Buffalo, I'm, I can't wait for that one. No, um, <laughs> obviously you know Notre Dame, hey, Duke,
0: Clemson, Syracuse, a sneaky game
2: too, man. Does, it is. Does, does the downfall is. continue? Yeah, it is. It's kind of in that dream crusher spot for for Clemson. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, you know, outside of the conference, you know, you look at, and I think Oklahoma's going to kill Iowa State. Um, you know, Oregon State, Utah tonight, uh, you know, the, Kyle Whittingham's like the Riddler when it comes to injuries. I'm not going to sit here and try and guess if Cam Rising's playing or not. That line keeps going up. So I'm assuming uh, that he's not playing. Uh, you know, USC and Colorado. I, I think I think USC is a lot better matchup for Colorado than Oregon is, I, even though I think USC may score 75 points. Um, how does Colorado bounce back after that loss? Uh, I'm interested to see that. You know, looking in the Big 12, Baylor going to UCF I think is interesting. That, that's kind of a weird matchup, even though Baylor – starting to be some questions about Dave Aranda when everybody wanted to anoint him a couple years ago. Uh, you know, Michigan, Nebraska, let's see just how quick the game can end. Like that's going to be the fastest game in the history of the world <laughs> with this new clock rule, but all over the country, man, up and down. I, I think there's some fascinating games. Uh, but as far as picks go, love the under in Oregon state, Utah tonight, even at 44 and a half. Cause I think the Nate Johnson kid's going to play for Utah. Uh, both these teams want to run it. Both these teams are good on defense. Um, I still think DJU is the same. DJU, I don't care what anybody says. Speaking of Akron Buffalo, I'm telling you, Akron minus two and a half is a great bet. I, I think it's a fantastic bet. I love Texas Tech and Houston, the under at 52 and a half. I think it's a really good bet. Uh, Tyler Shucks out for six to eight weeks for Texas Tech and Houston. I mean, God, they couldn't score if you like lifted them up to the basket with the ball like they do little kids right now. Dana may be in some trouble down there. Um, you know. I, Georgia Southern, minus six and a half at home against Coastal Carolina. Look, I, I know these aren't the biggest games, but you're trying to make money. Like, if you're trying hey, to no, do no, listen,
0: that, I, I, dude, I've already won money on Georgia Southern this year, so I love that pick.
2: Yeah, so Coastal's offensive line really struggling. Uh, I, I like the Golden uh, Eagles. Uh, uh, I like Georgia Southern, the Eagles. I always want to say Golden Eagles. Um, I like their Southern Miss. Uh, I like them minus six and a half, too. And, and listen, Auburn, Georgia, under – whatever it is, whatever Whatever it is, is. I don't care if it's, if it's, if it's 24 and a half, take the under.
0: Jake Crane of Crane and Company does a fantastic job. And Jake, similar to the clock rules that are making games into early, our conversations with you always into early, my friend, because they're such a blast. I appreciate you, Jake. Always a pleasure. Hey, it's because I'm so good at that foreplay, Chris. Appreciate it, buddy. (laughs) Hey, y'all have a great time. Enjoy
2: the game this weekend, and good luck.
0: Yeah, man. We'll talk next week. Appreciate you.